On today's episode of Go Book Yourself, the podcast that helps you master writing, marketing, and publishing one bite at a time, we are creating compelling content. That's the stuff that keeps your reader on the hook. Bookmark this one, and we'll be right back. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive, with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. J. Hill Creative and Bookmark, as the younglings say, same, same. One a parent company and one a precocious child company publisher helping authors everywhere get published. If you like a company with sass and chops, choose Bookmark. Head to J. Hill Creative, J. Hill 1LCreative.com. Hit the contact button at the top of the page and we will be in touch. This week, we are chatting up compelling content. I like to look at a challenge the same way regardless of what it is, a recipe, instructions to pair your new hoverboard with your phone. It's a dissection of sorts to get at the main components of what we need to learn, what we need to blend together to create something bigger, to create the result that we want. Let's do the same with how we generate content that will not only knock your reader's socks off, but it's going to light them on fire. Boom. Without further ado, these are the components of compulsion. The book hook. What in the fling and fling and heck is a book hook? A book hook differs from a chapter hook. I liken the book hook to being the umbrella that is over the entire book. What is going to draw the reader in? What is the premise of this book? Make it surprising. Make it shocking. Make it memorable. Make it easy to understand at the same time. Make it easy to believe, but also outside the norm. Ordinary absurdities are fantastic for this. The book hook. The book hook to me is the first sentence in a book. I recently wrote a book. Well, I didn't write it. I helped to heavily edit it, and some of that writing was involved. And it talked about a character in the first sentence having three minutes to live or die. I don't know about you, but I'd read that book. What the heck is going on that this guy is either going to bite it or he's going to survive it? That's your book hook. Sentence one. Get into it. A book hook. When I was born in a garbage can 27 years ago. A book hook. They were taking me down to get my brain electrocuted in the psychiatric ward. A book hook. Sit and think about it. The book hook you'll come back to again and again. It's not going to be written and done. You have to come back to it. You have to smooth it. You have to remove needless words. You have to make sure that it is going to reach out and pull your reader into the book and keep them there. The book hook is effective when you hook your reader. Remember, after that, you got work to do. Great job at getting them interested. Now you got to keep them there. 
Chapter hooks. Chapter hooks, same thing. These are hooks or sentences that are absolutely intoxicating and alluring, and they occur at the beginning of a chapter, first sentence of a chapter. So the book hook is the first sentence of the first chapter. Chapter hook is the first sentence of any chapter. It follows the same, I guess we'll say, journey. I'm looking for a different word. When I pause like that, you know, I'm looking for a different word. It has the same purpose as the book hook, but sets you up for the chapter. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing occurs at the ends of chapters sometimes. That's when they're very, very effective. So what is going on? I got the job and I thought my troubles were over, but I was far from right. You know, something is coming. Oh, I thought we got him past that point. Nope, we did not. Something is coming. I got to keep reading. What else is coming? Tina walked in the room and said, your father's here. And if I'm the reader, I'm going, oh my God, he hasn't talked to his father in 20 years. He's here. My life is not going to get better. That's a little bit of foreshadowing for you. Foreshadowing can occur at any time in the book. You know this. All of a sudden, a perfectly healthy person, a character, gets a cough. I always wonder when somebody has a bout of illness or they start coughing and there's no reason attached to it. I go, oh, that person's going down or they're about to take a trip to the hospital. They have a dizzy spell that's just quickly explained away. Oh, gosh. Oh, I didn't mean to drop all those eggs off the floor. I don't know what's going on with me. I've been pretty tired lately. Really? And in the next chapter, you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. But our alert is up. Our red flag is up. Something is going on with Jane. What is it? She doesn't drop eggs on the floor. She doesn't faint at work. Something's going on. That's foreshadowing. Compelling content, item four, has a lot to do with opening and closing a subject succinctly. Be a master of transition. Don't be unnecessary when you introduce elements either. What you introduce must have a purpose. Wouldn't make any sense for Jane to drop the eggs on the floor and there's no reason behind it. And then she lives out her life and she celebrates her 30th anniversary. Why the hell did you tell us about her dropping the eggs on the floor if it had nothing to do with her character's journey? Gotta serve a purpose. It's like... um a red herring, which a red herring has kind of a different connotation because it's designed to distract. Oh, look over here. That's shiny. That's a red herring. I'm talking about purposeless action, dialogue, elements, plot points, things like that, that don't do anything, don't go anywhere, lay there like a dead fish. The red herring is meant to distract so you think about something else when really this is going on over here. And it has uh, more of nefarious origins if you look it up. So open and close succinctly when you need to. What the heck does that mean? That means that you are going to 
I am talking about this subject. And now I am going to let you know that I have closed the subject because I am going to transition to a new one. Build suspense and feed out your details. That is important. Suspense is like putting in this element, then I'm putting in these two elements, then I'm putting in these three elements, then I'm putting in these five elements, and now I'm at a crescendo. But you're feeding out the details. As you go, you've read those great books that are like, oh, oh, but she really wasn't safe with that stranger in the woods that she took in the, in the middle of the night. Because he had her map in his backpack, but she didn't know it. Even though she came this close to asking him, can I put some granola bars in your backpack for the trip back out? <laughs> But no, she didn't. And then he was trapped in the cabin with her. We feed out these little details. Oh, and he's not really a stranger because he slipped up. Yeah, I've known a Sonia in my time, my sister. Your sister? My mother's name was Sonia. That's suspense. You're feeding out those details. What's going to happen? Racing to the scene. Gotta get that bomb to the bomb shelter. Oh, we have to go and it's ticking. And we found out that it is a real bomb and we're racing and it's our favorite character and we don't even know. And then, and I'm stealing this from Criminal Minds and he's in an ambulance and it blows up in the field. And this is a spoiler alert, so do not listen beyond this point to the spoiler alert. He's in the ambulance, it blows up, cut the scene. Cut the scene. Cut the chapter. Cut to a devastated Penelope. Morgan, Morgan, where are you? And his voice comes crackling in. Baby girl, I'm here. I'm fine. Ugh, well, what happened and how the hell did you get out of the ambulance? Well, you're not going to believe this, but I dove out the window. I tucked and rolled out of the field, man! I had 30 blessed seconds. Build that suspense. It's a twist. But make it believable. Is it believable that he dove out of that ambulance? If I if you watch, if you watch it, it's not. And I watched and I went, could have done that a little bit different, but it's still built up suspense. Don't forget your pacing. Number six, go slow when it's appropriate to insert the backstory, pick up the pace when it's called for. I talked about this in a podcast. You set the scene. A lot of times we go for that blockbuster scenario in the beginning of the book and we say, we're going to enter with a bang, literal bang sometimes. It might be a car explosion. Oh my gosh, who's in there? What's going on? It might be a house fire. It's a catastrophe. So what is going on? We're picking up the pace. The firemen are running in. They've got to save the cat. This is not the time to talk about. Why did I choose to become a firefighter? I remember in eighth grade when I did my essay on the profession I would want to be most in the whole entire world, and I read it to Miss Honey and the rest of the class. No. No, that's not the time. The time is when... You've got your charred, singed firefighter 
back the firehouse and his heart is racing because he only gets nervous after the call. That's when he feels his panic, when he's laying in bed and he relives what could have been. Then he thinks about why he's so crazy every day to report to this job, why he's given up his wife and kids for the fiery glory. That's the time. Number seven is atmosphere. That has a lot to do with uh, what's going on. What's going on in the scene. I am a believer that you can have action and you can have intrigue anywhere. You can have it at a nursery school. You can have it at an amusement park. You can have it at a cheese factory. It depends on what's going on. Some atmospheres are going to be more exciting than others. We're going to be entering the FBI building. Here we go into the serial killer wing of the prison. But other atmospheres that are more ordinary in nature, and we talk about that ordinary absurdity, can become whatever you want them to. Compelling content relies on you knowing the rules. So get your point of view right. That's one of them. So there's no confusion. Whether you're doing omniscient or whether you're doing multiple point of views throughout the story, know the rules, apply them. Accept that there will be unsexiness and unglamorous pieces of your story and know where those are applicable. They're glue in the story. That's okay. That's okay. Jane walked into the room. She didn't sashay. She didn't shimmy. She didn't swagger. Gotta get her into the room. That's okay. There's high stakes in compelling content. I found my mother after 12 years of looking. Okay, what does that mean? And not me. My mom's here. She's right. She's right here. I know where she is. I know I have her address. It's fine. For the character, I found my mother. What does that mean? Will she take him back? We don't know. Why did she give him away? Oh, oh, she's a killer. She wanted to protect him. Okay, that's different. High stakes going on around these decisions. I quit my job. Why? Well, the boss said that I, if I turned him in for harassment, he was going to make sure I never worked in this industry. I went into witness protection. Why? What's going on with that? Compelling content solves a problem for the reader. There's nothing more compelling for the reader than themselves. I have this problem. I come to you. You give me solutions. That's the way it's going to be. And you'll see this about any compelling person who's in the spotlight. I even see this in singers because I listen to what they sing for a reason. They solve my problem in the moment. I want to listen to a song and cry, right? I need release. I want to listen to a song and dance. I'm feeling joyful. I want it to augment my mood. I want it to enhance it. I want to listen to a song and feel nostalgic. I want to listen to a song and feel wowed at the talent. And the same holds true for why you're reading. Sometimes we have more logistical connections in solving the problem. I need more self-confidence. I'm going to read this book. Okay, great. That's compelling. Now you've taught me. I can change my life. 
make sure you're solving a problem for the reader. One of my favorites is cadence, reading aloud, figuring out the rhythm, figuring out where you hang up as well, clunk. That's important. If you're hanging up there, your reader's going to hang up there. Bet the farm on that one. Your reader is going to hang up there. That's the last thing you want to do. A hang up to a reader, one, will stop them. You can relate to this. You've been reading a book and all of a sudden you're stopping and going, man, I got to go back and reread that. I'm not quite sure what that person meant. I'm not sure what the author meant. If you're doing that and they're doing that, you know you've got like three tries and you're out. So you want to let the reader know, I'm a confident writer and I have been anticipatory and I have went, I've gone through and I've looked at this content and I've tried to use the reader's eyes to create the same sort of experience that I know the reader is going to have and solve those problems. Don't be in love with your writing. Isn't that something? It's like a mistress that just teases you. Oh, you want to come over here, baby? <laughs> Don't be in love with your writing. Be in love with the writing that moves the reader. Be in love with the writing that does something for the reader, delivers them something. It is a gift. It stays with them. It's resonant. It's memorable. Writing that has cadence to it is almost musical. It brings in another facet of art into the craft. It's very special. I'm not talking about prose. I'm not talking about rhyme time. I'm talking about the collision of beauty, all kinds of different beauty coming together, working together, how it sounds, how it looks, how it reads how it feels. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what we're shooting for. Compelling nonfiction, I recommend leading with a blockbuster. I mean, you don't have to, when we get down to book formatting, there are particular formats that work for the reader. I love the blockbuster one that we talked about, the house fire in the beginning. What's going on? Who's in there? Who's the main character? Why do I care about this? That blockbuster leads to a transformation. It is a moment of change in the character's life, in the author's life, it's, if it's nonfiction, that leads to a transformation. This is a snapshot moment or a flashbulb moment. It takes a picture of that moment in time and stays with them as a memory. Many times it's identified as before and after before my grandma died of cancer, I was this person. After I was this person, why? Her death taught me this. If you can identify before and after moments in your life, if you're writing nonfiction, in a character's life, if you're writing fiction, you've got a hook right there. It's always reader-centric, again. It puts the reader in the scene. That's a way of being reader-centric as well. 
showing, not telling. I don't want somebody to sit there and tell me how they feel about something that they're observing. I don't want to know that you're scared about what I'm showing you. I want to show you the scary elements. I want to show you the scary details in this scene in front of you. And I want you to feel your own fear. I don't want to tell you that man is alarming, that there's something weird or wrong with him. I want you to pick it up by the way I describe him, the way his eyes linger on you, the way that he keeps motioning to his big white van with free puppies on the side. (laughs) But you need to find that out for yourself. We're talking about a Western scene. I want you to get dust in your gums. I want you to hear the clang of spurs. I want you to get a whiff of walking into a saloon. What does that smell like? Is there sawdust on the floor? What is it? I want you to be at the table and the scent of The London broil is hitting your nostrils. I want you to design your experience, but with the same details and facts that are given to any number of people, to the readership. Every single reader will come out of there with a different experience based on what they want, on the mood they're in that day on their life experiences, on their memories, on nostalgia, on triggers that you're hitting. That is what you're doing when you are showing, not telling. You are coaxing out all of the unique qualities in your reader that make them create, generate, craft, bring into being this experience That is what setting the scene is about. So remember that. If you're leaning heavily on feel, feelings, sensed, things like that, take a step back and go, how else can I describe this? That's compelling content. It's such a gift to the reader. It honestly is like you're handing them a present across the table, like, here you go. I'm going to pull you in with me, and I am taking you on the imagination excursion. Such a gift for the reader. Climb into the magic school bus. What is that teacher's name? It's not Mrs. Beetle. That's Little House on the Prairie. Don't forget scent. I talked about scent for a reason today. It is the most neglected sense that we write about. So write about it. Don't forget about it. Maybe start your particular section was sent. Jody woke up, opened her eyes, and smelled coffee. The scent of coffee jarred Jody from her sleep. The rich Arabica bean jostled Jody awake. She wasn't dead. You get what I'm saying. Have fun with it. Play with it. Trop around in it. Make wine out of it. Words are your grapes. Smash them like Lucy and make wine. And make sure you cut your needless words too or gut them if you're writing horror.
Sorry, I just couldn't resist. And those are your keys to writing compelling content. I hope it was helpful. I love that there's a way forward in everything that we talk about. We just sometimes don't know what it is, but we have to have the faith and we have to have hope. We have to have the belief in ourselves that we can find it. We need to find those stepping stones. They're going to lead you to the goal, which is writing compelling content. I hope these pointers help you as you continue to write your story and that you put them in your toolbox to use and improve your writing. And remember, keep going. Keep going. That's probably the number one thing that I tell my authors. They check in with me. I'm here. I've completed this stage. I'm doing this. That's great. Keep going. You're not done yet. And we're never, ever, ever done learning. Now that's it for this week's chapter of Go Book Yourself. When you need proven tips on getting the best writing on the page, you know where to go. Until next time, authors, write on. <laughs>